As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with TK, founder of Tout App. He talks about leaving his six-figure job to pursue his startup dream, and how he kept trying to build the wrong product even when the right one was staring him in the face. He also talks about the long, slow road of SaaS and his transition from bootstrap to funded. Great interview with TK. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with TK from Tout App. TK, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Yeah, absolutely. So you 
in 2010, you had a six-figure hedge fund job, and you left that to start、um, Tout. Tell us a little bit about what was going on at that time and why you decided to pursue a startup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,、uh, I had started my first company while I was in college, and that was a startup with five, four of my fraternity brothers. There were five of us, and we had sort of sold that, joined a, joined the company that bought us, and then I mo- had moved to the hedge fund job. So I had already kind of done the startup thing once, and so I kind of knew what 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 it felt like and what it was about, and so. Once I was three years in, you know, I was I was at a job. It was paying a ton of money. It was great,、um, but at the same time, I just wasn't feeling as fulfilled. And the biggest thing I think that I realized was I could keep doing what I was doing, but at most I would impact a thousand people. And I wanted that number instead of being a thousand. I wanted it to be a million or ten million, at least have the potential to reach that number. And that was really the main reason. So it, it became really easy. And like, well, I want to impact more people. I need to be doing something else, and it's probably because it's probably something I need to do on my own. And、uh, it's one of those ideas that eventually looks—it looks like a no-brainer now, but back then it was a really tough decision because you just don't know how much of a risk you're taking on and wh- whether it's going to be worth it or not. So you wrote、uh, a blog post that、uh, basically flat out says it takes three years to even figure out if you're on the right track with your startup. Did you anticipate that when you? Um, quit your job that day?、Um, did you know what you were in for? Yeah, well, I think I think when you're starting out, you know a lot of things intrinsically,、um, and but you 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 choose not to focus on it as much because if you focus on it a lot,、um, then you'll just convince yourself not to do it. In order to start, I think you have to have some level of naiveness or, or aloofness. That's that's really how you can start.、Um, And only when you look back, you realize, man, that was pretty pretty crazy. Like, I moved cross country. I moved from New York to San Francisco, and my wife quit her job, and she she moved out here with me, and it was, it was pretty crazy.、Um, so at that time, I knew that it takes three years roughly to like get to something、uh, truly, and it, it, like the saying I like to say is like it takes three years to get to an overnight success.、Um, but I didn't focus on it because it, you just couldn't, because then you you'll just constantly be thinking on those nights like, oh. It's, Two years and you know x many days left. You don't want to have it that way. But you also want to know that well, it's going to take a while. So make sure I realize it's a it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That kind of thing as well. So knowing that kind of when you quit,、uh, what were some of the early indicators that you knew Tout was going to be something that you wanted to spend the next three years and was going to be worth it? Sure. Well, so the funny thing is, Tout wasn't the first idea I worked on. Um, when I when I left, I knew I wanted to work some, work on something around email. And so, so for those of you that don't know, Tout is a platform、uh, that adds a layer of tracking and analytics、uh, to your email, so that when you send an email or when you're following up with people,、uh, you don't have to retype the same stuff over and over, and it'll tell you when someone views it or clicks on it. it it's used widely by sales teams right now, but when we started, it was pretty wide email productivity tool. Um, and so when I when I quit, I knew that I really wanted to work on email,、uh, mainly because that was like a really huge problem. I thought that email was just terrible, and I was like, let's just build something that just rips out email and just works better. Let's build like a collaboration tool for groups. And so I built this whole thing. I put together a billing system. I was like kind of working on it. 
of my spare time at first, and then I just started focusing on it. Um, and uh, the interesting thing was I was building this thing that would replace email, but I, no one was signing up for it. So I said, I know, I'll just email a bunch of people and tell them like, hey, I created this thing that replaces email, uh, come check it out. And as people would sign up, uh, they would just leave and not come back. And I was like, I know, I'll just follow up with them and ask them how it went. And so I would email them again. So first of all, I realized the irony here. On, on one hand, I was trying to replace email. On the other hand, I was trying to grow that product itself using email. And one weekend, I just got frustrated with the number of emails I had to follow up on and the people I had to reach out to. So I said, I should just build a little tool that lets me email these people really quickly with the right messaging. So if I'm reaching out and someone in PR, I know what to say. If someone's in biz dev, I know what to say. And also, uh, let me figure out a way so I know how to follow up with these people after I've sent it, so I know what's going on. And so I just built Tout over a weekend at first, and I just put it out there. And because I had done all the work on the billing system and the landing page, I just copied it over to Tout, and I just basically did a little blog entry about it, and I just let it be because I was like, well, whatever, I need it, maybe someone else will. And within the week, how had more paying customers than this other thing I was building for nearly six months. Uh, within the week, I had uh, an acquisition offer. They're like, hey, we might be interested in buying it. It, I mean, it was completely random. Uh, within the week, people were paying for it. People were writing in saying, hey, this thing sucks. It should have this and that. And you know, you just compare what, what I saw with the other product I was creating, and then you compare it to Tout. Tout just like, it just got on rails and just started moving. And, even though it was small, like it wasn't a whole bunch of people, maybe it was like $200 in revenue, um, it still was drastically different than that other thing I was working on, which felt like a constant uphill battle. Uh, whereas Tout, it, it, you know, you could see how it would be harder and there might be a bigger idea behind it, but it just moved and you could see it resonated with people. And that, that was really one of the first times I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it was one of my friends, uh, Pete Curley, he's my freshman year roommate. I built the first company uh, I did with him, he was like, well, on one hand, you're trying to replace email. On the other hand, you made email a little bit better, and look at the one that's just taking off, that people, people really like. And that was an insightful thing for me. I was like, huh, if we improve email, people love it because that's a pain point. But if we try to replace it, people are like, no, no, no I can't just leave email. So that was like a really interesting experience. And that, seeing that early traction where people rallied around it, even though in small numbers, Made, gave me a lot of faith in the product and made it made it really promising. So in the beginning, what did your pricing look like for Tout? Um, interestingly enough, the pricing for Tout hasn't changed since day one, at least for our initial plan. Uh, I, my inclination, and this was another friend of mine I was talking to, uh, her name's Lauren, and I was telling her, like, yeah, I'm doing this thing, check it out. I'm thinking I'll like put a little premium plan just to see if it'll make any money, and I'll put $9 a month. And she wrote back, she's like, no way, not nine. You should do 30. And I'm like, that's absurd, $30 a month, like, that's, that's crazy. And she's like, no, like, the type of people that send a lot of emails and are reaching out to people probably make a lot of money on commission. They're probably in sales or biz dev or PR. They'll pay for it. So uh, I put a $30 price tag on it, and it felt like a lot of money at the time, and um, it just, people started paying, which was even more amazing. <laughs> 
When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. When you made that little pivot from um, the first version of your product to what um, Tout became, um, did you realize that your audience was changing at all too? Or was it really the exact same people um, just solving their problem in a different way? Well, no, that's a good question. Well, so for the first six months, I just ignored it. I, I put it out there and I just ignored it. I was like, oh, okay, let's just see where it goes. My, my friends were like, no, this thing's amazing. And I just kept working on that other thing, <laughs> thinking like, no, no, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the other thing right. It's just such a great idea. People just don't see it yet. Um, and so finally in 2011, I took a long, hard look at the two things. I looked at the traction. Tao just kept making more money. I, I kept getting email requests saying like, hey, it'd really be great if I could... I could write emails that have HTML in it. Like that's how bare bones it was. Tao didn't even let you bold a, let, bold a word or anything like that. It was just text. That, that's all it had and templates and tracking. That's it. And, um, and so, you know, in 2011, we were really wide. We, we, we were like, we'll just go after anyone. Uh, anyone that uses email can use Tao. Teachers were using it to send emails to, their, to the parents of the children. Um, job seekers were using it to send out their resumes. It was not until 2012 when we had a good amount of data on like who was paying, how many support requests we were getting. We took a long, hard look and we realized that um, the people that were in sales complained the least, paid, stuck around the longest, and were the most fun to work with. And so in 2012, we basically kind of focused in and said, all right, we're just going to focus on salespeople because that's the most lucrative segment. And quite frankly, it's just more fun. Uh, and, and so that's, that's sort of how it evolved. So looking at the revenue that you guys made over time, it sounds like your first month was in the hundreds. How long did it take you? I mean, what did it look like six months in a year in two years in? Oh, um, well, we don't, I mean, at this point we're venture backed, the company's grown. Uh, we have a full sales team, we do enterprise deals. So we don't go into as many numbers, um, but at, at a high level, I would say it was in the hundreds of dollars back in 2010 when it was just, just a thing on the side and I was ignoring it. In 2011, uh, I think it was in thousands of dollars. And by 2012, it went into hundreds of thousands, and in 2013, it went into uh, not hundreds and thousands, but without going <laughs> without going into any details. But yeah, and, and that's like that, that was the thing. Like in a three years in, going back to that theme, it really started to come together, um, and it it, it it turned out pretty nicely. And and the, and the biggest thing that happened was in 2012, we just focused on selling the salespeople, but ironically, we didn't have any salespeople. Not a single one. Uh, we, we just hyper-focused on how do we get people into the product? How do we get them using it? How do we get them paying for it completely on their own without us having to get on the phone and teach, teach them anything or, or sell them on it? And so that was 2012. And in 2013, we realized, hey, 
there are all these people, like someone from American Express just signed up, or someone from Oracle just signed up. They're part of massive teams. And so at that point, we were like, hey, it'd be great if we just give them a call and just find out if they want to invite some team members and, and see if we can get a bit of bigger deal. Um, and so you know, we went through stages like that where everything was pretty much very reactive on like, well, that was cool. Uh, what can we do next to take the business to the next level? And, and that was like, that worked out really well for us. So how were you getting in front of these people? Um, were you purely relying on emails and cold emails if you weren't calling them? Um, or were you doing a lot of content marketing? I mean, what was, what was the best way you were really pulling them in? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, so the, the fun, other funny thing is, you know, a certain percentage of our user base are outbound salespeople. They use our product to reach out to cold email people and then follow up and get their attention. Uh, a, a bigger percentage are inside salespeople and field salespeople and biz dev people who are sort of nurturing a deal or working a deal and they just want to follow up at the right time and get the right information across and track it. Uh, so ironically, uh, we didn't do any outbound. We didn't email anyone saying, hey, you should sign up for Tout. Uh, we didn't uh, blast anyone. So we weren't using our own product in that way at all. Pretty much until, I want to say last month in the business, uh, so like until three years in, we didn't focus on any outbound. We didn't cold call anyone at all. So all of it was uh, primarily through inbound leads. And there was a couple of things helped us. I think one thing that helped us a ton is we just talked about how we use our own product and how we sell our own product. So pretty much like, like 37 Signals was a huge inspiration for me back in the day. And so they were all about teaching others. And if you can teach others, then you win because they'll look, look at, they'll learn from you and then they'll maybe buy whatever you're selling. And so we did a lot of that. Um, and that helped us a tremendous amount to get the level of inbound leads and the growth that we saw over the I saw that. I saw on um, the TAT website your 101 lessons. Um, is that, it sounds like that's something you've just started to do recently? Actually, we started to do that around 2012, okay. late 2012, early 2013. That's when that's really started to come together. I think, I think the first thing we did was a lot of our customers were coming to us and saying, hey, like, what should I put on my email so people get back to me? Or how do I like win this deal when I'm having this kind of trouble? And so we, we used to answer them and realize, well, I bet a lot of other people are asking for it too. And so one of the first things we did was we wrote this ebook and this, it's not nearly as fancy as it sounds. We like downloaded the Apple iBook creator, great product, makes you, helps you write a, put a book together and make it look fancy and get a PDF and an iPad version really easily. Um, and we just put out a book called how to write kick-ass sales emails and, and like, and we put it on our website and we shared it in our, when, when people signed up on the site and that just like got shared on LinkedIn. Uh, when you search for like how to follow up on an email, or that book show, comes up on the search results. So a lot of that basic stuff um, really helped uh, us get, get, get a following. And, and the biggest thing we learned there is, you know, in marketing, if you can teach, then you win, like people will follow you. That's, that's a whole like content marketing. That's the, that's like the buzzword for it now, but all you're really doing is just teaching people how to be better. And the most interesting thing I realized about teaching is, uh, and, and I have a phrase for this, it's called, uh, every year there's a new class of freshmen. Meaning imagine when you were a freshman in high school and you came in, you didn't even know where the bathrooms are. You're looking around 
And then if you fast forward and you're, you're in senior year, you're like, oh, I know everything. Uh, you know everything about the school. But every year, there's a new class of freshmen that, don't, that know nothing about the school. And so if you think about that for a second, you take a step back, and you realize that all the stuff that you take for granted that you know that you've learned, every year there's a new group of people that are either entering the space or getting into whatever field you're in that don't know that. And so even if you're teaching the basics, and you're teaching it in a really simple and compelling way, you'll get a huge audience behind you because every year there's a new class of freshmen. And so that's really what we focused on. That's why we call it Sales 101. We just put out a lot of content on how to be a better salesperson, even the basics. What's a lead? What's an opportunity? Why should you follow up? And as we talked about that, that, that really went a long way in, uh, in, in uh, getting, getting an audience for us. That's great. I've never heard it said that way, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I love that. A lot of times as you're going, you feel like you're covering stuff that you've already covered or because the people that you follow are more experienced, you assume that everybody is on that level. And um, you forget what it was like for you a few years before. Yeah, exactly. So looking at the three years, what were the, the points along there that were the, the significant um, eye-openers for you? You know, you've talked about revenue over the years and you know, focusing on salespeople. Were there other things that, that you realized as you went that helped the product? Well, you know, I think, I think, um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on how you define eye-opening. What was surprising for me, uh, what was surprising for me was the people that joined in on our movement. Um, I mean, I'm a solo founder, which is a little rare in, in the startup space and entrepreneurship. Uh, usually there's co-founders, there's two people, but so it started with just me in my second bedroom and then me in like a small, tiny shared office. And then, but, but like seeing as more and more customers joined in on the product and seeing as more and more people joined as employees to the company, um, that was like pretty crazy. Like it, it, it's still a little jarring. Like when you look around and there are people just as committed, if not more, to the company's vision and what we're trying to build and what we're trying to do. Um, that was probably one of, like as, as I hired the, from the first employee to the 10th and onwards, it was just, it was just amazing to, to like have, have that kind of movement going. And I think a lot, most people don't realize like, you know, you get so fixated on the, on just the product or just the business or making money. But really what you're trying to do is build a movement. Uh, almost like, it's almost like religion building. You, you want to say what you believe in and, and you express that through your, the product you're creating and you deliver that through the business you're making. And you, you, and, but the real reason you're doing it is for all the people that are involved and enrich their lives. That's what it's about. And so the most surprising thing is seeing as more and more people join the movement, it, it's really cool in that way. That's awesome. Um, so for the people listening that are just getting started, um, would you say, you know, your, your main message is you're in it for three years. If you want to be in it, strap in, uh, you got a long road. Or looking back now, um, are there ways you think you can start to expedite the process? So I'm a huge, I mean, I think, I think that you're always going to have outliers. There's always going to be the Snapchat. There's always going to be the Instagram. Um, there's always going to be that one or two companies that it's the perfect storm of people, team, market position, timing, 
all of it and you get everything right because you, maybe you've done it once before or something. Like you'll always have that. Um, and I'm not saying that you should aim for being the average or the standard statistic. I think you should aim to beat it because you know the average is where you fail, right? Um, but so, so you should definitely aim to beat it, but you should also realize that it takes time to build a movement of people. Uh, and that's what a business is and that's what a startup is. And so I think that you should, you should keep, it, keep it in mind that it's gonna take time and that you're gonna have to go through the process of figuring out what works and what doesn't. And, but you don't want it to be a countdown to three years. You just wanna keep in mind that, okay, I've got a road ahead. Let me make sure that I can keep running and keep going forward. Great advice. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really, really helpful. Um, you've shared a lot of really great insights with us. Um, before we wrap up, can you tell everyone where we can um, keep up with you, your personal blog, um, as well as Tout and some of the um, guides and eBooks that you've mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're in sales and you just want to get better at sales, you can go to sales 101 dot toutapp.com that's t-o-u-t-a-p-p.com we have a ton of resources there and there's also our product that can help you be better at sales you can check that out there as well um, if you want to reach out to me uh, twitter is a pretty good way so my twitter handle is t-a-w-h-e-e-d toweed uh, my middle name and you can also if you're into entrepreneurship uh, I've been blogging about my overall journey in, in terms of building out Tout and all the stuff I've done in the past. Uh, and I'm a big principles-based person, so I try to find principles that are kind of universal so you can apply those to make better decisions. So I, I, I blog about a lot of that. And you can go to my personal blog. It's, again, toweedkader.com, T-A-W-H-E-E-D-K-A-D-E-R.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Nothing. Still, we do no harm.